I would like to introduce you to uh, Amanda and Stuart because they're going to come up and say some really amazing things. Totally amazing. Um, we are, first of all, good morning. I'm Amanda. We're super excited about our um, six-week fundraising campaign for our new building. And um, you're going to hear a lot about it in the coming weeks. But we think it's important enough that we share with you a little bit more by getting personal perspective from different people that go to our church, have been charter members of our church, uh, who have family, friends, maybe they're singles and they go here. And we want to get some insight on what it means to them, us growing this transition and a new building. So they asked me to interview Stuart Clark. This is Stuart, everyone. Give him a little. Okay, Stuart, I got to get ready. Get ready. All right, this is Stuart and his wife, Courtney, who is not here today. And they have two kids, Henry and Arthur, who I love dearly. They've been charter members of our church since the inception, since the beginning. They're currently on our leadership team. And we thought it would be great just to ask Stuart some simple questions about this new time in QCC's life. So, Stuart, what has QCC meant to you and your family, and what does it currently mean? Um, well, as Robin mentioned, it started with a uh, real small group of us, friends. We kind of were an offshoot from a church that we were all involved in. Um, so we already had that rapport, and we would, were used to kind of worshiping together and uh, connecting on a spiritual level. So it started like that, and that's where we kind of came from. We used to meet Sunday nights, um, so it was much more casual. And uh, a lot of us were in like our mid-20s. We didn't have kids. We actually only had one kid between our core group. Isn't that right, just Jude? So we weren't really concerned um, about, yeah, out of 12. Oh, now there are 12. So um, for me, it, uh, you know, it started out as just kind of something special and something we took seriously, but we weren't really thinking about the long term. We were kind of, it was just sort of a thing we were doing. We were kind of getting over church and um, getting over organized meetings and conferences. We just kind of wanted to get together, keep it simple, worship, live life together. What does it mean to you now? So now um, a lot of that has changed because as Robin mentioned, many of us have had kids um, and so our focus has shifted from much more short term to long term. Um, And so I think a lot of us are just excited about building a place for the future. It sounds corny, but I mean, that's where we all are. And so this church has really grown with all of us, all of our families. Thank you. Perfect segue to our next question. As a parent, when you think about the future of QCC, specifically getting our own building and our own space and having our identity in that, uh, what kind of possibilities are you excited for? Um, going back to Jude McMillan, I'm pretty sure this is, he's like the prophetic kid for our whole church since he was the first. Um, I think Jude is the one that uh, was like crawling around here one Sunday morning and said, Mom, look, there's like a giant shard of glass in his hand from a beer bottle. And we're all kind of like, okay, like this can't last too long. So I'm personally, I'm really excited about a clean, reliable place that we can have our kids just like run wild and experience the Holy Spirit. Um, and 
another practical benefit of just not having to cross two lanes of traffic in a streetcar um, to get to their kids' class and walk in the rain and all that real practical stuff. On a personal note, I'm really excited about just having an awesome permanent space for like the worship stuff. Um, just the music and the worship's a huge part of my heart. And so I'm excited about maybe doing some like Friday night worship gatherings and stuff that we can't do now because we only have the building here like Sunday mornings. So that's awesome. So a lot of potential for meetings and gatherings that we can't really do now because we only have the visual light on Sunday mornings. And while we have been so blessed by the visual light and really, really, really blessed to have the building across the street, I think everyone's looking forward to being together in a clean environment and our kids can be in the same building, same roof with us. Um, but we're not downplaying what we've been given here because I feel, I feel like it's what, it's, it's what made us who we are. And it's awesome. So one more question. Personally speaking, how does the next phase of growth represent your heart for our church? Um, I, I mean, it's kind of, I feel like I've already said it in the other answers, but to me, I kind of view my life as a garden. And so as I've gotten older, I try to be more diligent about the areas that I'm watering and tending to. And I feel like our church is kind of the same way. Like when we started, we really were just kind of focused on like one or two things and we kept it real simple. But now as our family has grown um, and our, out, our reach has grown a lot too. And obviously we've got like a youth group now, yep. um, thanks to the Squires. Um, <laughs> Single-handedly created a youth group. And uh, so, yeah, we've got, we've got a bigger uh, field to tend to. And so that just makes sense and yeah. Really excited about it. Stuart Clark. I'm so excited. I just have to interrupt everybody and say stuff. So please forgive me. Okay. I want to make another announcement too. Um, Andy and Amy Squires took a pay cut to come be a part of our church because they believe so much in what we're doing and where we're headed and how much of what Queen City Church is speaks to their vision for church that they've had for a long time. And so one of the things that Andy's done is he's done these house shows for his new album and he doesn't have a place this Friday night, so actually I'd, I'd mentioned this to him before. He's going to do a house show in our building across the street this Friday night at 8 o'clock. And the way those things work is uh, he sells his CDs and takes up an offering. And that's part of how he's making a living. So just want to let everybody know it's this Friday night, 8 o'clock. And it'll be a smaller, more intimate um, ex worship experience. And Andy will basically be doing Cherry Blossoms, his album. So how cool is that? Yeah. One other thing, a friend of mine called me, a friend, you know, a guy I've known. We're not close, <clears throat> but um, we've sort of appreciated each other from afar. He lives in Alabama. And he was in a fellowship of ministries I was in charge of a number of years back. And he called me on the 3rd of February, recently, and he had had a dream on Groundhog Day. 
and that may sound strange, but he says he has uh, very important dreams every Groundhog Day. I mean, take it up with him. I'm just telling you what he told me. Um, now, if any of you have seen the Bill Murray movie Groundhog Day, which is a classic, the whole message or a huge part of the message behind that movie was Groundhog Day was another opportunity to do the right thing the right way for the right reasons. So on Groundhog Day, he has a dream about me. And in the dream, I'm with <clears throat> a group of young men. And we are in the process of buying a building or doing something for a church facility. Now, he, knew, he didn't even know I'd been pastoring. I, I hadn't talked to him in five years. So he had no idea what was going on or that this was what we were doing. But in the dream, he came up and said something to me. And my response to him was, oh, okay. In that case, I'll just cancel my appointment with the banker. And the idea behind it was I wouldn't need to go to the bank. You get it? Now, what he didn't know was I had an appointment with a banker about nine weeks ago when I was foreseeing everything we were coming into. And I didn't feel right about it, so I canceled it. Because we're going to believe God and we're going to see God move and it's going to be awesome. And it's not because we're going to pressure you guys. We're going to pressure God, which is hard to do. <laughs> but it's not hard to pressure God to do something he already wants to do. And he already wants to do this, so that means we have faith. And we really do, so anyway. Okay. All right. Why don't we put that overhead up? I'm going to talk about um, the Father's approval. I'll likely be talking about this for weeks to come because it's so important. <clears throat> Is the overhead up there? Let's go to, let's read these together. These will be, this will be so much fun. You won't be able to stand yourself. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. I'm going to make comments and then we'll go on to the next one. When you see God accurately, when you see the Father, when you understand his heart towards you, when you see what he's really like, it will fill you with unfailing strength. So that's what that verse says. Philip said, show us, uh, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. Sufficient means to be possessed of unfailing strength. Okay, let's go to the next one. Let's read this together. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Then suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Let's read that last phrase. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What you see here is in the relationship between the Father and the Son, you see that God's approval for his Son, Jesus, 
came before Jesus ever did anything to gain that approval. And see, legalism is the idea that there are things you do to gain God's approval. That's what legalism is. And legalism doesn't work. But the gospel tells you that something Jesus has done on your behalf, it's all that's necessary for you to live in God's approval without you having done anything to earn it. And so most carnal Christians or most Christians that don't get it or however you want to put that, believe that God's approval is what you get at the end of your life when you've lived a good life. And nothing could be further from the truth. It's the exact opposite. It's the fact that he approves of you when you're just still basically a basket case that releases to you the energy and the strength and the power to begin to be the person you really are that you have not yet entered into or experienced. That makes sense? In other words, God's heart for you, his approval of you, his unfailing love for you, when you see that, that is what begins to transform your heart so that you can actually obey God, so that you can actually live a life sort of worthy of what Jesus did for you. Although you live a life worthy, it doesn't make you worthy. He made you worthy. You see, you start where most people think they finish or hope to finish. You know, if you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Well, I've lived a pretty good life and I hadn't murdered anybody. And, uh... Oh yeah, you really have the, you remember you hate your mother-in-law. God calls that murder and then you just, you know that woman you lusted after? Well, he calls that adultery and her man or whatever. Come on, ladies, or whatever. In other words, you can't go there with God because you've got no loopholes. If you don't get forgiven up front, you don't ever get forgiven. If you aren't made righteous up front, you aren't ever going to be righteous. Because you can't do enough. And even what you do isn't of the quality to count for it. You are hopeless. <laughs> that's good news. That is. That's great news. You are so pitifully hopeless. God just had to do all of it for you. He just asked you to trust him. That's where everybody celebrates if you get it. If you don't, you're. I'm just going to have to keep preaching this stuff. I'm going to sing my song until somebody sings it with me. That's just the way it works. Now, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Matthew 3, 16 and 17. We just read that. The Lord in Matthew 17, 2. I'm going to go turn that. It, it's not on overhead. There were just a very few times in Bible, recorded Bible history in the New Testament that... Um, God spoke out loud, and 
We find it again in Matthew 17, 5 on the Mount of Transfiguration. And when he did it, he had to interrupt Peter. And I love that. God has to just interrupt us because we just don't know what we're talking about. Do you understand that, honestly? I mean, Peter had been with Jesus for three years and he still just didn't get it. And it wasn't because he's particularly dense, it's because we all are. And God loves us, so he, 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 will, he will intervene in our lives. But while Peter was still speaking, a bright cloud overshadowed them, several of them on the mount, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased to hear him. So I think in the New Testament there are three times God spoke audibly that we have recorded, and two out of those three times he was um, uh, emphasizing his approval of his son Jesus. And the very first time it was before he'd ever done a miracle, hadn't done anything. He got baptized in water, basically. And so you need to, you need to have that consciousness. You need to understand that deep, 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 deep in your heart. Because when you do, your life will change. It really will. When you know that. Let's go to, um, slide number three here. It's from Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. Let's read that together. That he would grant to you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of God. Stop right there. To know the love of Christ. To do what? To know it. Not to know about it. To know it. There's a difference. You could know about me and never know me. And a lot of people settle for knowing about instead of knowing. And you need to know experientially. To know the love of Christ, which does what? Let's read this. Which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Let's go to the next slide. I think it's uh, Weiss translation. I think I put that in there. Yes. Now, this is an expanded translation of that last verse we just read. So let's read this together. And remember, this was Paul's prayer. Knowing the love of God isn't automatic. If it were automatic, Paul wouldn't be praying for people to know it. And see, because of the way we think, because of uh, how hard-headed we are, and I, I don't mean that critically, but I mean some people live so much in their heads that they can be in something God's doing and not even know it because it doesn't penetrate. And it's only when you're alerted. I have seen the Holy Ghost touch people, move on them, and they're so much in their minds, they have no clue what's going on until I tell them. And then they realize what God's doing, and then they begin to know um, experientially this God they've known about. Is that making sense? Because God is not a brain. He's a spirit. 
He's not this throbbing, pulsating cerebral cortex in heaven. He's something completely different from that. And when God does things and when God speaks to you personally, oftentimes he speaks to you on a level that doesn't, first of all, register in your mind as rational thought. But it becomes that later. Somebody tell me they know I'm saying this right. I know I'm right. It's true. Because God's not a brain. English is not his first language. Language is not his first language. Figure that out. I don't even know what that means, but I know it's true. <laughs> so, Ephesians 3.19 in the Weiss translation. Let's read this together. Now, this was Paul's prayer. And he was praying because you need to ask God. You know, God is in charge of everything, but he has such a high level of humility and such a high value on a person's choice that he will not invade your life without an invitation. If you don't want him, you don't have to have him. Or you can be really blunt and say, if you want to go to hell, help yourself. I mean, that's a terrible thing to say, but it's in the book. I don't major on it. But I want to point to people not away from what could happen, but towards the one who wants to make your life so amazing. But if you don't ask him in, you need to ask him in. I don't mean once. The, the, the more you go through life, the more opportunities you're going to have to want God to do that next thing. And, and, and honest to goodness, I'm not saying he'll never just barge in, but I'm saying generally and basically he won't. You know, why were there two trees in the Garden of Eden? Why was the one that was okay and the one that was not okay? Why would he put those in the garden? Why wouldn't he just cut that out and go put that on Pluto somewhere and then everybody would be happy because there's something so important to God about us making choices towards him and there's something so important to the Lord about us loving him loving him that he won't make you he won't make you and see, we're in this war. How many of you know we're in a war zone? We're in this war. There are things that war against us on every level to convince us that God is not good. To convince us that uh, there may not even be a God. Or whatever, you know, to, to, to release that kind of terminal cynicism where all we do is find fault with things. When our primary job is to be an encourager of people, not a discourager. So let's read this then. Ephesians 3.19 in that Weiss translation. In order that you may be able to grasp with all the saints what is the breadth and width and height and depth. And to know, to know how? Experientially. I almost didn't say it. To know experientially. Let me say this. I was preaching 
before I knew, before I had a profound knowledge of the love of God, an experiential one. I could have passed any test when the question was, do you know God loves you? Yes. But that's different. That's knowing about. Then there's knowing. What does knowing do? Well, knowing does this. When you're in a mess and your life's falling apart, you, you, you're not that concerned because you know God loves you. And if he loves you, he hears you. And if he hears you, he answers you. And you may go through periods where it doesn't look like that's true, but that's because he's developing something in you more precious than gold, which is faith that's tried. But when you know it, when you have an encounter with him on a level sub-mental, but does something in you that's more than just mental, when you go through trouble, it's not that big a problem because you know the God that loves you gets you through this. You don't panic. You don't freak out. You don't act out. Because knowing how God feels about you is the antidote for so many problems, so many situations. To know experientially, let's read this, the love of Christ which surpasses experiential knowledge. You see there, there uh, the language is telling us that there's something you can experience that goes beyond your rational thought process. It's like the peace that surpasses all understanding. You, you see, if you're going to chop down a tree, you have to have a higher um, element than wood to do it. You have to have steel. And for your mind to, to come into proper order, you have to have something higher than intellect for that, to do that. And that's what the Spirit of God does. The Spirit of God can permeate you and touch you. Listen, if you read the Word enough, you will absorb Spirit in life in non-rational, non-academic, non-intellectual ways that will affect the way you think later. It's like taking vitamins. I never feel good when I take a vitamin, but I feel good later. I never feel good working out, so I don't. I mean, but I feel good later. Oh, that's what it is to eat the Word. That's what it is to believe the Bible. I think a huge problem in our generation is we have a dearth of Bible readers. I'm not even going to ask you how many minutes a week you read the Bible because I'll be angry with your answer. No, I'm saying. But there's more to it than letters on the page. The Word of God is Holy Ghost Jello. The Word of God is congealed spirit and it transforms when it's embraced by a warm, loving, meditative heart, just like jello melts in your mouth when you eat it. Are you with me? That's true. That's an awesome example. You should. Uh, Bill Perry, a friend of mine, told me years ago that you used to say, eat the word, eat the word. Yeah, buddy, eat the word. 
And this woman came to church one Sunday night and she said, you know, I've been eating the word and hadn't done me much good. He says, I wonder why. And she said, I don't know. I'm really up to like two pages a day. True story. She was eating pages out of her Bible. That doesn't work. She was. That's a true story. I'm, some people are that smart. You don't even have to read chapters. Go get you some potent verses and read them and read them and read them. For he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Some people aren't healed at times because they haven't eaten the promises. Now, that's not always the case, obviously. But we don't believe our beliefs. We have a great belief system. We just don't believe them. We assent to them. But there's a difference in a, in, in a, a rational consent. Okay, anyone that joins this church, you have to agree with these doctrines. Well, that's stupid because nobody believes all that stuff when it comes right down to it. Come on. You don't know what you believe till you're in a mess. And then the real stuff comes out. We're like a roaring lion. I love God. Then something awful happens. I hate God. <laughs> well, no, you don't. You're just confused. Let's read this whole verse again. Come on, this is too much fun. In order that you may be able to grasp with all the saints what is the breadth and width and height and depth and to know experientially the love of Christ which surpasses experiential knowledge. For what purpose? In order that you may be filled up to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's amazing. That was one of Paul's prayers for the Ephesians church at Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus one of the most spiritual churches in, in history from what we know about it. Let's go to this last uh, slide. This is John 17, 25 and 26. Well, let's, let's stop again. Let's stop a second. Why don't we stop and pray and ask the Lord today and forward that we would experience personally his love in a supernatural way, not just, oh, that person was nice. He must love God. They were nice to me. No, that, that your heart's touched. That, that, so let's just, let's stand together. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just praying. Let's pray together. Just lift up your voice. Ask the Lord. Lord, we want to know your love. We want to know it, Lord. We're asking. We're inviting you. Although some of us are being quiet and not saying anything, our thoughts are in the right place. <laughs> we want to know that love that surpasses the comprehension Visit us, Lord. Visit as a church. Visit us as a people group. Visit us as families. Visit us as individuals. Uh, 
I discern the very warmth of God really has already begun to touch some of you because it's not academic. How many of you are feeling that warmth? Just raise your hand. Really? How many of you? Come on. Look at that. Look at that. That doesn't mean God's not touching you if you're not feeling it, but it's experiential. We need to experience God, don't we? So, Father, we're asking for that this morning. We're asking that this morning doesn't primarily mark the beginning of a fundraiser, but it primarily marks the beginning of a season of encounter with you, both in this place, together, and apart from you. Lord, we're asking you to wreck our lives in a good way with your mercy, your love, and your kindness. We're asking you to touch our hearts. We're asking you to restore us. Lord, we're asking you to do some positive, good house cleaning. That your approval, your love, your care would so touch us that we would be more interested in you than in what people say about us or think about us. Lord, we want that for our kids. We want that for our parents. We want that for our friends. We want that for our city. We want that for our nation. We want that for our government. We want that for Washington, D.C., every state capital. Lord, we believe your love is so profound. Lord, I believe in Kairos moments in time where you do things at the, at the specific seasons that you don't always do day in, day out. And I believe we're on the verge of a Kairos time. Lord, I believe we're on the verge of a movement, an encounter level, not just here, but broadside through our nation, coast to coast, north to south. Let that come, Lord. Let that goodness, let that kindness, let that restoration atmosphere, let that heart for God consciousness permeate our beings. That's our prayer. We agree with Paul. Lord, that you would grant us according to how rich you are to that glory realm, that we would be strengthened with might through your spirit in us, that Christ would settle down, find himself a complete and enjoyable, lovely home in us. That we would be rooted and grounded in that very love. That we would know a love beyond human love. And that we wouldn't just know it, it would be our root system. It would be the grounding of our lives. It would be the functional reality of who we are. Let that come, Lord. How many of you can just feel an increase of the presence of God this morning? Come on, let's acknowledge that. Let's say, yes, Lord, thank you. Just thank him. Let's receive. We embrace, Lord. Be verbal, please. Please. The enemy is not concerned about what you think, but when you say things, he gets out of the way. So speak to the Lord. Speak to the Lord. Thank him. Thank him. So important. It's so important. One of the things the Lord's doing right now, he's renewing minds. Let him. 
Just let him, just agree with him. Say, Lord, I agree with a renewed mind. Just agree with him. I agree with an, a renewed mind, a new way of thinking. He's giving you a new perspective. We receive a new perspective this morning. Let's agree with him. Yeah, let's say that together. Lord, we receive a new perspective, a new way of looking at things, of thinking, a positive heaven-oriented viewpoint of victory is already ours viewpoint oh that's great that's so good right there <laughs> come on <laughs> come on Holy Spirit I just ask you to increase right now touch these people touch when I say touch, you're going to get touched. Touch. It's that simple. Touch. Receive. Bypass those thoughts which are, and get in there, Lord, to where they really are. Right there. Right there. Right there. Put your hand on your stomach. That's sort of the seat of your emotions, although you didn't know it. You thought it was in your head, but it's not. And just say this, I bless myself. Come on. I bless myself. I agree with the blessing of God over my life. I agree. I agree. I am a blessed person. Come on. I am a blessed person. I am touched of God. Yes, you are. I am touched by God. God's seal is on my life. Let's say oh, that's too good to miss. God's seal is on my life. I have his approval. He is so happy with me. He is excited when he looks at me. He's not mad at me. Oh, that is so important. I break off of you the anger of earthly fathers now in Jesus' name. I break off of you the frowning of authority people in your lives to receive the smile of heaven to receive the laughter of heaven, to receive the approval of heaven. Let that come now. Let that come right now. Ha, <laughs> that is, I am preaching good. That is so good. Come on. That is good right there. I like that. Come on, you know that's good. That's, is that good? That's good. Come on, you know that's good. Mark this day, something new. Mark this day. Something new starts in your life. Mark this day. Mark Mathis this day. I see Mark in the back. He was smiling. Mark this day. Write it down. Something new has begun this day. Come on. While you're standing, I'm going to read one more verse, then Andy's going to come up here with me. Why don't you come on, Andy? Put that on the overhead, Jen, if you, if you will. Let's read John 17, 25, and 26 together. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and I will declare it. Why? So that the love with which you loved me may be in them 
and I in them. Do you know what that means? That means, what is your name, dear? What's your name? Jessica. That means God loves Jessica the exact same way God loved Jesus. There's no difference. There's no difference in, in the profundity, the height, the depth, the width, the width, none of that. It's not like that love. It's the same love. That's what that verse means. That is, that is really so good. God just loves you. You rats you. But he does. And he's going to transform your life. It's going to be awesome. And the Panthers are going to win the Super Bowl. Okay, grab a seat. You know, the thing is, is that sometimes somebody asks you to do something like pray over yourself or put your, you know, put your hand on your stomach and pray over yourself and you're doing it. And in the back of your mind, you say, well, that's weird. You ever, you know what I'm talking about? Well, that, yeah, that's what you're, yeah. But my, my thing is when, when, when my mind is saying that, I just say back to myself, so what? So what if it's weird? You know, I've had more encounters with Jesus because I didn't stay in the place that my mind told me was comfortable. And I went over to that place where it was a little bit awkward, a little bit risky. And Jesus met me in those places that it was just like, had undid me, undid me. And when I feel that thing, that, that, uh, that hesitancy in my spirit, to receive the things of God, that's when I know I need to be touched by Jesus, you know? And so the, the cool thing about the Lord is he can show up in a lot of different ways. And I, I've just made a practice out of not limiting God in the ways that I can experience him. So I just encourage you with that. So um, this is a significant day, y'all. It really is. This is a significant moment. And I believe, well, I just personally, I feel really honored that I get to get it. I get kind of get to like uh, come in after y'all have been doing so much work for about five years. I just get to come in and reap all the benefits of all y- y'all's cultivating. So, um, but that's what, it, that's what it means to be in the body of Christ, man. Sometimes you come in at the 11th hour and you get the same pay as the people that were there for all day long, right? That's how good Jesus is. So, uh, I think I've been, I've been cultivating for so many years. I don't, this is probably the first time I've ever got to eat the fruit of somebody else's cultivation. I, I I'm liking this. <laughs> uh, you know, this interesting thing happened to me recently. I, I, I stepped into a season of incredible harvest in my life. Amy and I both have uh, just stepped into some fulfillment of dreams and some so many great things happening to me. And I noticed a reluctance in myself to receive all that God was doing for me. And I was waiting for the foot, other foot to drop. Like I was waiting for something really bad to happen. <laughs> Because I was so used to hitting my head up against the wall for so many different seasons of my life. And uh, the Lord came to me and he, I I don't want to say he rebuked me. It was more like strongly encouraged me. But he said, Andy, you need, you are faithful in the time of enduring. You need to be faithful in the time of harvest. You need to be faithful to enjoy everything that I have set before you right now. And, And own the goodness 
that I am bringing to you and don't apologize for it. And, and if you want more, work harder and go after it because there's more for you to have. And so I was very encouraged by the Lord and all that. So um, it's kind of, there's a, there's kind of a, a, you know, when a lot of little streams come together and it, they turn into a big Russian river, I feel like Queen City Church is just kind of at this moment where there's just so much um, prophetic anticipation and prophetic, uh, well, you know, when God's doing something, all you got to do is hit your, hit your wagon to his horse. And that's just, that's how it works. So anyways, what we're going to do right now is we are going to take up another offering. And when you came in, you should have taken, uh, should have gotten a bigger envelope like this. <clears throat> and, um, we're just going to, uh, let you take some time and fill this out. The great thing about this campaign is that it's six weeks long. And I know this, some of you have stocks and bonds that it's going to take you a couple weeks to liquidate. Like for me personally, I've got, I, my millions are in a bank in Switzerland. I've got to call my banker up to go get that money, you know? So anyways, I did not fill out that I was giving money today, but I filled out an amount that I'm going to give within the campaign. So if you don't have money today, please just pray about it. Ask the Lord, you know, um, what amount that you might want to give to it and yeah and take it home and pray over it and ask the lord what you should give i i personally don't like giving into things that i don't believe in i don't i just don't want to give my money away i get too many i get too many requests during the week for for things but man this is something worthwhile this what god is doing for us through us is worthwhile and I'm just excited to be a part of it. I'm really excited to give into this this home campaign. So if you've got it filled out, can I should I call the ushers back up or guys once you come forward and um Shelly, I think you should pray over this. You want to pray over this? Because you told me last week that you you got this. So hey why don't, <laughs> hey let's do this together after you've filled out, put, uh, filled out your thing or put your money in it, let's just stand up together. And I, I just want, I want us to hold this out just, just as a statement of faith. So let's, let's stand up together. Let's stand up together. And if you don't have an envelope, it's okay. Here you go, Shelly. Thank you, God, for QCC. Thank you for Robin and Donna. Thank you for uh, the visual light theater that we've had for five years, um, as smelly as it has been. Um, God, I pray that you would begin to release the funds, um, that you would release the funds into each individual life that is represented here, that um, relatives would send checks to the individuals represented here, that people would get bonuses, that people would get jobs, that people would get money from random places that they didn't know were coming, God. I pray that you would begin to release funds to each individual here. And there would be such an increase in their personal lives that it would overflow, that they would have so much to give here. And God, I thank you for all the goodness that has come into our lives through QCC. And God, I thank you that we 
have been so blessed by QCC that we don't even know the goodness that's coming for us. And so God, give us the ability to have faith to plant into what has blessed us so much. Give us um, the, the, the grace and the strength and the faith to put our money where our mouth is, like where, where we have been so blessed, God. I pray that we would feel so generous to sow into this. And God, um, thank you for the increase. I know that it's coming. I know that it's coming. I know that it's coming into each life. You might be looking at your bank account and thinking, there's not that much in there that's extra to give. But I pray that you would have the ability to just let go and trust that whatever you give, like God is going to bless and increase. And, and what you give, like God is going to bless your life, like through QCC, like there's so much more, you know? So God just increase in each life. That's what I just believe. I see it, that God is going to increase in your life so that you can give more. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Yeah. You want to do that? Okay. All right. Hey, what we'll do is we'll have the ushers at the back of the room, and when you're and when you're leaving, just drop it in the bucket. That we think that'll be a lot easier. So, do you got any final words? Go Panthers. Go Panthers. Woo!